Kings Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome back to the Sanctimonious podcast. This is Jake and joined as always by my co-host Dan. Dan, how's it going? Man, it's going well. My box is currently in a U.S. postal truck on the way to my house. Hope all of you got involved and got your hands on some of those cheap boxes from last week. So happy opening, everybody. What if it shows up while we're recording this? You'll have to go like crack <laughs> one on the on the cast. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, post office person's not due for another like hour or two. They're usually between the two and three o'clock hours. So... Probably so we'll just happen. have to record for a really long time. Is what <laughs> Triple split episode. So this week, we're going to be talking all about community building in Keyforge, which I think is going to be a really interesting topic. And I think we'll focus on ways that to make it something that anyone can do rather than just for people who maybe own a game store or are kind of a point person for getting Keyforge events happening in their community. Uh, so really excited to talk about that. But before we do, I think we have some pretty interesting happenings this week that we will get into in our weekly inspiration. turn it's your turn my turn so as some of you may know and now all of you will know um i am expecting a baby boy here in about three four weeks so i snuck out to an archon event last night (sighs) and i had a blast like i had a really good time playing but i've got this monkey on my back that i just i cannot hang chains on my decks i show up i'm all prepared i brought my mgkans deck the master of mush growth all excited i've jammed like 20 20 ish 30 games with it on tabletop simulator i feel like i know the ins and outs of it pretty well it does some very unfair things game one i sit down meet my opponent we have some laughs nice talking he mulligans i have bramo drummer uh drummer not and ganger chieftain my opening hand and he starts with a binding irons and so that game pretty much ended on turn one by uh playing bramo drummer ganger for five amber that turn and then just never letting him get on board and winning pretty pretty handily so i'm 1-0 and i'm like all right all i have to do is win one more game we're only doing three rounds i just win one of my next two then i you know finally hang some chains on a deck and oh man i just do not play enough i think i've tallied it i think i've played six IRL in real life events in my illustrious Keyforge career, which is six too few, but that's just kind of the situation I'm in. And so I guess my inspiration is I need to try. I, yeah, my time is so lacking that it's going to be tough, but I just, I need to get to more in real life events because I, I just make mistakes that I know are mistakes as I'm making them, but I make them anyways in real life where if I'm sitting at my computer here, sitting in my computer chair, I feel really confident and I make the right plays. And I think I, I just, I play better when I'm playing via the virtual world. Cause that's where like 500, 600 of my reps probably are playing this game, if not more. So yeah, game two, I had it set up. I'm just going to go through these really fast. I had it set up where I got out an early Nepenthe seed. I had like three untamed creatures on board. I'd played an untamed creature on turn one then turn two played two more. So I was able to reap. 
and then reap with all three to put myself at four amber. Going into turn four with Nepet's seed on the field, Martian generosity and key abduction in hand. All I have to do is pass it back to me and I get to forge two keys and have 12 cards in hand. And my opponent uh, has punctuated equilibrium. Oh no. Rex me. And I knew it was in it. I mean, I looked at his list. I knew it was there, but it was early enough in the game. I really thought I was going to get it off because like there's, I mean, he's only had three turns to draw cards. And so, I mean, there's a really good chance he just doesn't have it. And yeah, he, he had it. And then I just, <sighs> my lack of IRL play, I guess I just, I, I went on tilt. Like I did it. I got angry. Not angry. I was just so disappointed. And then I just made another stupid play. Like he had a Nepenthe seat out too. So I was like, well, whatever. I'm at five Amber now. So I will just Martian generosity for six and draw 12 cards and just see if, you know, just get way ahead on card advantage. But I mean, he had Nepenthe seat and punctuated equilibrium. Oh no. So guess what happens? (laughs) Nepenthe seat punctuated equilibrium. Then like the game was kind of close, but I don't know. Like all of my cards just kind of got wiped out. Like I reshuffled really early on, but so did he. And I told myself going into the event that I need to have a strong Brobnar early, like strong Brobnar early for that deck really leads to a lot of victories. And I kept like an all untamed hand with no Brobnar. And then he got ahead on board and I just could never catch up. Yeah, that's tough, man. And like, I think that's an important thing to talk about on this cast, because I think it's like uh, not just you. I think a lot of people have difficulty, whether it's Keyforge or anything else, um, you know, if it's you're playing Super Smash Bros competitively and you probably do really great online, but if you show up in person, it's just a different thing. So, I, you know, and the only way to get better at that is practice. Yep. I guess my, my advice to you is just as I hear you talk about it, it seems like you're sort of viewing it as like a different thing and maybe like bringing a little bit of a different mindset to it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, it's just not playing enough real life events. Like I said, it's a monkey on my back here that I just haven't hung any chains on any of my decks. And I feel like I'm a good enough player that I should have some chains on decks, but it's just not translating because I just, I guess I get nervous or something. And I just, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, like you're seeking to make that next level play. Well, man, it's not even next level plays. I'm just playing poorly. Like I can look back at, I can, no, I like games two and three. I just played poorly. Like game three, really fast. I almost had it set up again for Nepseed, double forge. My opponent has double Abad, double charrette. And he never plays more than one at a time, but he has one turn after turn. So we're playing this game where I've got, again, like three untamed creatures out and I'm just beating down whatever dude is captured. But unfortunately, I chained myself with four Mars cards because I have Martian Generosity Key Abduction in hand again. And I just, I got too attached to it. At one point I was at three Amber and I thought about firing it off right then and there. And I really should have. I mean, that game still was really close because I didn't get the double forge because he finally found his poltergeist and poltergeisted my seed. But yeah, like I just could not, like every turn I would get back to five Amber and I'm like, all right, here's my double forge turn. And he dropped Abed. And it's like, ugh, kill Abed. All right. He called this. All right, here we go. He dropped Charette. Ugh. Ugh. And another turn, he goes he goes Logos when I'm at four, which would have been enough, and he fetched drones and hits the capture too. So, I mean, I think there's like four turns where I was just on the cusp of forging two keys, and just he kept capturing just enough amber to pull me off of it. So, so yeah, but I knew, I knew early on that I should have probably pitched the Martian Generosity when I had um, three amber, because that would have drawn me eight cards, and that probably would have vaulted me in front, because the game got 
really close at the end. And then he had a clutch unlock gateway after I did finally get my combo off for Aki in a huge Mars board with proliferators on either flank, ready to bring back Martian generosity, key abduction again, and close out the game. And he just unlocked gateway. Dang. Well, you'll, you'll definitely get there. Like you're playing online against great players and doing well, succeeding. Seems like you just had a little bit of bad luck and <laughs> not quite enough events yet for that luck to sort of balance out the other way. Yeah. But it's coming. It's definitely coming. I, de- I definitely, like, those two decks were definitely set up very well against mine. And then just my misplays did not do me any favors, where if I would have just stuck to my guns and tried to, like, hard mulligan for Brobnar starts, like, I think I do way better in both of those games. Because neither board was really that scary across from me, but I just didn't get my Brobnar until super late. I guess with that, let's move on to my inspiration, if that's all right with you. Yep, go for it. Tell us of your winning ways. Okay, so I have, uh, I guess, two things I want to talk about just because they're both interesting. Um, and I think maybe our main topic won't go as long as normal anyways. But so first, I did play in a tournament last night. There's like a new store I talked about last time that's doing $5 entry and putting up deck in the pool for each player that enters. So taking a small loss to get people in the door, uh, which is really cool. So this past week, or this is just last night as I'm recording this, uh, there, we had 10 people, so 10 deck prize. I played my own Drummernaut Ganger Chieftain deck, and I did end up 4-0-ing the tournament, uh, taking down the top prize and getting four decks for my $5 entry fee. Nice. That felt really good. Burr, I, had, burr. <laughs> I had been getting close in the past. I think I had like X3-1 last time and maybe 3-1 the previous event I had played before that. So it just felt good kind of breaking through and getting to that uh, number one place. I can only imagine. Confidence. Um, the, what I wanted to point out from it is the deck I played also featured Untamed. And I've been very harsh on Untamed over the course of this podcast, uh, in AOA especially. And it, it was definitely my MVP house of the night. Just the way that the Brobnar function with so much fighting off the triple Gandro Chieftain meant there was always damage on these big creatures. So every time I played Dharma, the card that gains you an amber for each damage friendly creature you have, it was basically a virtuous works or better. <laughs> Gross. I, just, I, got, I, I gained so much amber off that card. I had the Panpaka Anga that gives plus two power to everything. So my board was just massive creatures. And then that deck has double Duskwit. And a, it, that card just won me the game on its own a couple of times. Once I played it as the first turn of the game, my opponent couldn't answer it, and that was, and I, you know, that was just basically the game right on the spot. So yeah, that felt really good. And I was impressed with those cards from Untamed, especially Darna in the right setup can be a powerhouse. And then the Pampanka Anga is a, was really good for me as well. Do you have any glimmers or anything? Glimmer has been kind of an all star for me in my Master of Mush Growth, returning either Drummer Not, Ganger Chieftain, or pieces of my combo back to hand, which are really nice. No, I don't have a glimmer in there. I do have uh, two times persistent hunting, which I've found to be a pretty strong card overall, especially for protecting double Duskwitch and stuff like that. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Nice. So Congrats. That was that. And then the other piece, my inspiration number two, is I played my first Keyforge cube draft. Ooh. So, yeah, uh, which is something I've been wanting to try for a really long time and Finally built a little cube 
myself and got six people together and we drafted it out. So this is how it worked. First I made, what I did was I took all my bulk deck and sort of took them apart. And what I found is that in the vast majority of my decks, even the ones that are overall really terrible, may still have one or even two houses independently that are quite strong. So I just took all the best houses out of my bulk bad deck and I rubber band them together till I ended up with eight house sets from each of the seven houses. So 56 total pack. And then the way the draft worked is I would shuffle all those up. So, you know, it's 12 cards rubber banded together, deal seven to each player. That's how we did it anyway. And then you take them apart. You look at each of the houses and you choose one house to take. So you'd get 12 cards from the house, pass the other six on, and you keep going around the table like that until you've drafted seven 12 card houses. And then you would use that to create the best Keyforge deck you can. We had to, we did keep in place the restriction that you have to have three unique houses. You couldn't take like all logos and create like the, some kind of monstrosity. <laughs> and it worked really well. I think people had a lot of fun. I think it get doing it that way, avoid some of the pitfalls of like a more standard, like a magic draft. Where you just take one card because you're, pretty much guaranteed to end up with a legal deck. And yeah, and then we did three rounds. And what was also really cool is we allowed people to sideboard between rounds. So you'd... <laughs> sideboard an entire house. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So I ended up pl playing this Dis Sanctum or Logo deck, which was pretty cool. And I, but I ended up losing the first game. And I ended up, in, after that, I switched out the Logos house for a separate Logos house that I had also drafted. I was kind of debating between. And after that, you know, that adjustment, I was able to win my next two rounds. So it was a really fun way to do it. And everybody had a, a lot of fun. So it just seems like overall a really good way to get more value out of decks that are just collecting dust on your table or on your shelf or whatever. And also it's a good way to, you know, really even the playing field, you know, anyone could jump right into that and you're literally all on the exact same plane no matter how many decks you have in your collection. Definitely. Now we just need to have those six friends or six community members to get together and do that draft. Wow. That was a professional segue. <laughs> Bam. Got there. So Dan is nudging us into our main topic. Building a community. If you're in a community where you're having trouble finding Keyforge events or Keyforge events are happening but not firing, those are kind of two separate situations. I think first of all, you just need to start out by searching out and seeing if there are any Keyforge events in your area, if there's any stores that stock Keyforge products, and then if there's any like social media presence for the community, do, is there, are there any Facebook groups for your local area or any discords or just any other kind of social media? You just, you want to find out if any of that exists first before you st just start going out and creating all brand new stuff or, you know, trying to shoulder all the burden on yourself. And like worst case scenario, if there's no Keyforge Facebook, Facebook is really where I would start. Seems to be like the biggest hub of gaming things. You could also try meetup.com, but that's probably less likely. But even if there's no Keyforge specific group, try board, like general board gaming groups. If there's any of those that exist, I, I would hazard to make a post in there and see if there are people that are already playing Keyforge, maybe on an unofficial basis, or even like a, a Magic Gathering uh, might be a place where, you know, rather than just taking somebody completely cold, so at least 
people that are familiar with card gaming and might be interested in giving it a try if you're willing to give them a push. Definitely. But yeah, let's let's go with the assumption that there's nothing in your area, there's nothing that exists. There is a local gaming store that does carry the product, but they don't run events. That's a great opportunity to you, for you to kind of introduce yourself to the shop owner or just figure out who that is just be like hey you know i'd really like to see the keyforge community grow here i see that you carry the product have you ever thought about running chain bound events have you had like are you selling many keyforge decks you can kind of glean some information from them to see if there's even people in the area that exist to play with you so i mean they're a great resource and they're gonna really enjoy anybody that's gonna help them move products so i'm sure they'd be happy to talk to you and Uh, It's a good way to get your foot in the door there and just maybe get something on the calendar for that shop. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, If you go into a store and they don't have any Keyforge events listed or they don't have any on their upcoming events on Facebook, don't don't be discouraged by that. Uh, it's almost definitely not because the store doesn't want to host Keyforge events, right? It's because they haven't tried yet or uh, they don't have somebody pushing them to do that. I mean, these stores want to sell product. They want to get people in their stores. Right. And like another kind of another, I mean, we, we can we all know that MTG is kind of the king of the card games. Not for long, Dan. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they are kind of the king. And like your local area probably does have an MTG event somewhere that's firing. And we have a we had we had a discussion in our Discord today and just kind of asked people for some of their tips and advice. And a few people will play those events and then, you know, like after the round's over, talk to their opponent about Keyforge. Like that's a nice way to do it. So if you enjoy drafting magic cards, you can in between rounds just be like, hey, have you played Keyforge yet? You know, just kind of get that topic started. Or I think something else that's even more brilliant if you don't want to spend the money to play other events. If you have a friend and you show up on a night where there's a draft going on and you just there happens to be enough room in the shop that you can sit there and play Keyforge while a bunch of magic players are playing magic, or a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh players are playing Yu-Gi-Oh, or a bunch of Pokemon players, you, you get the picture. You know have to play their game but if you're in the shop on that night playing another card game i mean we are all kind of magpie gamers where we're always looking for that next hot game and what better way to show it off than to just sit there and have a great time playing it while they're playing their game yeah i think that's absolutely true i haven't attempted that on purpose but even just being in game stores playing keyforge events rare that somebody won't come over and say hey what's this about you know whether it's a magic player or just somebody who's browsing in the store or whatever so yeah i'd like Maybe just as a first first step could be if you want to start building up more of a community would be to just take whatever the casual gaming you're doing with your spouse or friend from your kitchen table to a game store and just play in a public space or even a, you know, a bar or restaurant, like whatever. Yeah, definitely. If there's no game store nearby, like finding kind of a like a restaurant that has a party room or something like that, a lot of those places are going to be very open to that because that's saying that, hey, I'm going to bring in four to 12 people once a week into your establishment where we'll buy food or drinks. And most restaurants aren't going to turn that down if you're doing that on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. Like don't expect that you're going to get that room, say like on a Friday or a Saturday night though. So you're probably going to have to shoot for like the middle of the week when they're kind of slower anyways, and they would enjoy having the influx of business. We've kind of got the location. Let's kind of talk about like, how do you start even running events? So you've done your research, you found your spot, um, you have a night, 
And hopefully with that night too, maybe you've got a couple of people that you know will start coming with you at the fir- at first. If you don't, then I mean, yeah, it's pretty tough to pick the night. But if you find out like, hey, Tuesday nights works, the game store doesn't have anything going on or the restaurant's available or the pub is available on that night to host, you know, like you guys on a couple of tables, um, then it's just, it's getting the word out to those that you found that were interested. If there's nobody interested, then you're posting flyers, you're making your social, your Facebook group posts, you're, like Jake said, finding other gaming groups in the area and just kind of posting, hey, I'll be running demos. Maybe just start with demos and to start with just to make sure that you've you're getting people in maybe start super casual before you start trying to fire chain bounds and obviously if you're at a restaurant you're probably not gonna be able to do chain bound events but as long as you're growing people maybe that'll motivate a store to pick up that slack yeah i think and a lot of this of course is going to depend on the size of community you're in if you're in like a medium size like if you're in a city at all you know, there are lots of people out there who are playing Keyforge, who have Keyforge decks and are playing casually, even if they're not turning out to organized events yet. So that's going to be a different type of thing. If you're in a smaller town that really has nothing going on, you're not sure if people even know about this game, then I think, yes, that's definitely when I would start with more casual learn to play type events however if that doesn't apply to you like you know you've got you're in a city that has multiple game stores just none of them are running keyforge or maybe some of them are running keyforge but they are small not always firing and you just want to like build and improve that then in my opinion i would go to the other end of the spectrum where instead of like learn to play, try and offer a prize. See if you can get a store to, and it doesn't have to be at a loss, but a store to take a buy-in and really put something on the line, uh, whether it's, you know, several decks or a box or something, because I think that will get people who are just already playing and enjoying the game at a more casual level, perhaps interested in coming out. I really think prize support matters for those types of players. Definitely. I mean, even on the casual nights, like if you're hardcore enough that you're wanting to start this community, you probably have way more decks than you know what to do with. I mean, advertise that maybe in your casual events, like, hey, come try out this game. And, you know, if you like the deck you're playing, take it home with you. Um, I think we had Vault Boy said that he did uh, um, <laughs> he did the classic drug pusher line first first hits free <laughs> as he handed them their, their deck that they played and enjoyed. And he had a number of decks so they could try a few different decks until they found one they liked. And then the one they liked, they got to take with them. And, you know, that just encourages them that, you know, they're not just getting a garbage deck from you. I know, like, I have a bunch of solid decks that, you know, unfortunately won't sell with this crazy market we're in right now, but (laughs) they'd be very fun to play and I enjoy playing them and somebody else could give them a nice new home. And I think all that gets to a bigger point is like, if you're hosting an event, like what are you offering people that they don't have at home? Because you might be already have, if I'm sitting there and I've already got, you know, two or three buddies that like playing Keyforge, we play together. Maybe I'm, you know, a little bit hesitant to go out to the tournament scene because I had bad experience like with magic or whatever. Like what does your, what are you offering me that I don't already have? I think that is a really important question to grapple with. And that might be prize support and it might be, you know, it might be free decks or it might be, you know, any number of things. But, you know, a lot of times I feel like just saying, okay, we're just playing Keyforge here at this time is not necessarily going to be enough to get new people out because, well, I can already do that with like my friends and in my comfort zone. So yeah, once you kind of got that place, you've got that time, 
you kind of have what you're going to try to start with. Then it's just being consistent. You need to be there each week. Just consistency is key. If somebody shows up on a night thinking that you're going to be there and you're not there, they're not coming back. It's it's And it's not just you being consistent with showing up. It's everything else that goes into it, like consistently creating an event in the Facebook group to let people know, like consistently messaging people, sending them a personal message. Hey, like, you know, if they come to your event, send them a, a message the next day saying, thanks so much for coming. I hope you had a good time. Let me know if you have any ideas for improving it, uh, you know, or and messaging them beforehand again, saying like, hey, we got this event going on again this week. Hope to see you there. Yep, for sure. And B-Hawk had a great one. He actually, uh, they've got like a Facebook group message and they meet up at a restaurant ahead of a lot of their chain bound events. So um, they get to spend a little more time hanging out outside of the competitive scene and kind of grow the relationships and friendships that'll just make it that much better to uh, yeah, to show up and play together. Like if you know the people you're playing against and you're friends with them, it's just going to make showing up for that chain bound or that casual night that much more fun because you're not just showing up to play Keyforge, you're showing up to hang out with your buddies. Yeah, I'm stealing that, by the way. I don't think that exists here. And that could be good too if like, Maybe you're in a slightly different situation where you do, do have plenty of shop hosting events, but they maybe don't always fire. You don't know, but this that could just like let you know, okay, we got this whole group that is all going there. So you know, it's going to fire each time. Um, new players, if a new player shows up, talk to them. <laughs> so we're moving into now, not necessarily just recruiting people, but ret- retention. Like how do we keep people coming back? week after week Yep. no new person that you don't know it's their first time make sure you talk to them ask them how they got into key for just make general niceties with them introduce them around to everybody else that's kind of the regulars and that way you just kind of like you bring them inside the fold so they're not just sitting there by themselves waiting for the event to fire like and that still might be good enough for them and then if the games are fun they'll they may still come back but if you really make that effort to like kind of welcome them in just say hey glad you're here Here's Jeff and Joe and Lisa. Um, you know, we have all been playing here for like the last whatever. You know, when did you start playing Keyforge? Just generally being a good person to other people. And people want to hang around good people. So that'll do nothing but help grow the community. Yeah, and I want to be really specific here. It's not just talk to somebody at some point throughout the night. Make an effort to this, like, immediately. If you, As soon as you notice a new person is there for Keyforge, you want to go over there right away because you want to make sure they feel welcome in from the beginning. You don't want them to be sitting there awkwardly for an hour and then like halfway through the second round, you're like, oh, hey, like, by the way, this like that's still better than nothing. But if you can talk to them even before the event begins at the start, that makes a huge difference. And then once you have made that connection, like to follow up with them throughout, hey, how'd the round go? You know, oh, cool. Having fun. What's going on? Uh, you know, all those things go so far. And then the second most important thing is catch them on the way out. Like, thank them for coming. You know, ask them, you know, will, will I see you again next week? Like, that type of thing is so, so important. Um, so, yeah. So, really, you know, talk to people, but make sure if you can to, to hit that at the beginning and at the end of the event. Definitely. Yep. Yep. You just want to make sure. Make that good first and last exactly. impression. Exactly. Make it really seem like something they want to make time for and come to you. Yeah. And I've had that experience when I, I'm still pretty new transplant to the St. Louis area. And when I first moved here, I really liked playing board games. I went to a board game meetup and I kind of showed up and basically everyone was already at tables. 
nobody really invite nobody invited me to come over and join their game or sit so ultimately i had to kind of awkward and i'm a pretty outgoing person but i had to awkwardly kind of go up and say hey do you mind if i play here oh no you're full okay hey do you mind if i play with you guys like okay sure played a couple games you know it was fine left never heard anything never went back to that event because like i wasn't like nobody seemed to care that i was there if anything, it seemed like it was annoying that I was there. <laughs> well, you know, like it was, mean, just, it was, it was just a really bad I've been experience. Meaning to talk to you about that, Jake. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But you know, I think, I think if you think about it, probably we've all had that experience outside of KeyForge in, in other aspects, you know, so yep. just draw on that experience. Like, how would you like to be treated if you were the first person showing up? Think back to the time you were the new guy. Right. So anyway, the next point on retaining people is like, I think it's so important to create a positive atmosphere. And if you're somebody who's really spearheading this, like the buck stops with you to like, it's just the way people are. If you're greeting people, welcoming them in, people will start doing that. if They see you as like one of the leader people of the group doing it. Like you really will have more impact on, you know, of then you'd know on what the culture of that group will be. And that, you know, goes way further than just like welcoming and greeting people. It goes into like, how do people react when they lose? <laughs> so you mean flipping the table after every loss on TTS is not, not proper etiquette? <laughs> well, I think it might actually be fine there. but <laughs> So throwing stun tokens at your opponent in TTS. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, if you if you lose with grace and dignity and, you know, thank the person for the game, win or loss. Win the same way. Like, people will, like, rib it. And, like, it's fine. Like, if you're somebody who really likes, you know, doing a little bit of shit talking, ribbing your opponent a little bit, like, there is a, that is perfectly yeah. fine. There's, like, a good way to do it. And also, like, a bad way to do that. So, like, if, if it's happening in a bad way where it's, like, not nice, it's mean, or perhaps even, like, unintentionally using language that you know might be uh, exclusive, excluding other people that you would want to welcome into your group, whether it's derogatory or sexist or anything, like, you have to be able to stand up and say, hey, like, you know, that's not okay because if you don't do it, nobody will. And then that'll be excluding you know, huge communities from joining into what we want this to be a game for everyone. Yeah. And I'll put like just a huge caveat, like trash talking is fun. I enjoy it a lot, but it's like one of those things where you kind of need to know the person. If it's like the first time you meet somebody and you're trash talking them from the get go, like probably not okay. Like you kind of got to read the situation. Like I had some fun with like my first opponent last night because we were just having fun and I was able to drop in some just mild, you know, like, oh, I hope we both have a lot of fun tonight. And he kind of laughed. And I think I've been making fun of my buddy who was on the table next to me. So then I kind of let out the, uh, but I hope I have a little more fun than you. Like just something like very mild, but like he laughed, like it was just kind of funny in the moment. But yeah, just be be aware. I do the same thing. I'll often be like, good luck, you know, like good luck to you, like, but not like too much good luck, (laughs) you know, just something like that. Like something like that. I think that's all fine. It's kind of nice. It's a nice icebreaker. It kind of lets them know, you know what? I'm going to have fun with this game with you. I'm going to play. I'm going to play tough, but I'm not like, I'm not going to be that jerk that's going to like sit there and stare you down every turn. Right. <laughs> if, if they're in like, or doing like the thing, like if they're playing a destroy a creature effect and you, like, you're like, maybe you want to get this one, like pointing to one that's like, obviously not the right answer. Like stuff like that, I think is always fine and in good fun, but you know, it yep. can go too far. And... Yeah. Read the audience, read the yeah. audience, read the person across from you. If they're giving you the awkward laughter, you may want to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> 
as far as community goes, I mean, that's, that's kind of the building blocks. Different people have different ways. We've heard, we've heard a lot of different ways for different formats and events. And if that's something you want to dig into deeper, I think these are like the basic building blocks though. I mean, I think you could, we could probably go into a lot of like different formats and events to bring people in, but that's pretty nitty gritty. And I don't know that we need to go f- too much further in depth on that. But if you do want to talk about that, please join our discord. Because here's the customary Dan Plugs Discord of the episode. But our Discord has a bunch of great people that are not like tournament organizers. They're the community spearheaders. They're attempting to build communities right now. We kind of have people in all stages of the community building process in our Discord. And we a lot of times have some really good conversations going on on like different events they're doing or different ways they're drawing people in. And it's been really, really cool to see that. And then just to see other people post those ideas and say, hey, yeah, that worked over here too. We added like three or four new people this week using that idea. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, we don't have to get into every format that exists, but it's definitely, I think, best practice to, to take a scattershot approach. Like, you know, try some Archon, try some Sealed, try, you know, different fun formats, reversal, and, and just like make sure you're kind of pulling your audience, see what they like and see what they don't like, and then maybe start settling into a standard rotation. Or Yep. So find a time, find a space, get plugged into social media, find out what community exists in your area. Um, if there's nothing, then you're on your own to kind of figure out the best place, hopefully a game store that actually sells the product. If not, you know, community rooms or um, restaurants, pubs, that kind of thing. And then once you get that started, be consistent, be welcoming and behave the way you want your group to behave. And they, you know, should, uh, should grow out from there. One more, I guess, like mini little topic here. If you're somebody who's in a scene that is active and there are people that are clearly leaders hosting lots of events organizing events and you want to continue to grow your scene like because i mean we're lucky to have such a big scene in st louis here but that doesn't mean we're not still actively cultivating new players trying to grow it more and more and turn it into a bigger and more active thing uh so if 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 you find yourself in that situation don't hesitate to, to reach out to those people who you think are engaged more engaged on facebook and ask like what you can do to be supportive like how you can help uh, in continuing to grow the scene. And that doesn't mean you should just go start your own event on the same night as theirs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's, let's not split scenes. Well, and that's exactly right. Like That's why you would want to reach out to figure that type of thing out beforehand. Probably don't know this, Dan, or anyone listening to this, but I actually have a lot of background in advocacy and organizing. I worked as the outreach specialist at an organization called Kansas Action for Children for three years. And was a field organizer for a political campaign before that. This is pretty like marketing buzzwordy, but there's like a term that I think is really helpful for thinking about organizing that I just want to throw out because I think it kind of does a good thing to sort of sum up what we've been talking about. And that is the ladder of engagement. This is a concept that like everybody exists on a rung of this ladder where at the bottom it has like no knowledge at all about the subject. So in this case, this is somebody who has no knowledge about Keyforge whatsoever, never heard of it. At the top, you know, you have people who are champions for Keyforge. It's people like us who are hosting a Keyforge podcast to spread the word about this game. It's people who are hosting events, leading discussions on Facebook, really actively recruiting people. And then there's everything in between, right? There's people who have heard about Keyforge. There are people who have are interested in trying Keyforge or people who have played a couple of games with Keyforge, people who are regularly attending events, like so on and so forth. 
So you, as a listener here, are also on this, and you're higher up just by virtue of having sought out a KeyForge podcast. Like you're somebody who is much further up that ladder. So what we're doing here in organizing for like the larger KeyForge community is like what we want is for you to continue to go up to really become a champion for this game, to reach out to people in, in your life uh, and, and help grow your own local scenes. And you can do that by recognizing where each individual person is and trying to just get them one step up. Like never heard of KeyForge? Hey, well, it's this great game. Let me tell you about it. You know, oh, you play KeyForge with your friends? That's so awesome. Like, what can I do to get you to come out to your first event? And so on and so forth. Anyway, that's something that I've used in my professional organizing. And I think it's something that's really applicable here just to kind of give like a framework for what we're talking about when we talk about organizing. Definitely. I think we covered it fairly general, but like I said, if you have any questions or you need further support, we definitely have the people that are in the different stages of community building and we're always happy to help you out, um, especially in our Discord. Discord's probably the best because, uh, yeah, we just have all those people and those conversations going on all the time. So join us. If you're a store owner and you're like, hey, how can I get Keyford started here? Yeah, definitely. That'd be a great place to reach out. All right, so new, new segment. segment. So our Sanctimonious Adaptive League kicked off on Sunday afternoon. We gave all of those fine players, the 42 players that signed up for the U.S. edition and the 12 players in the EU edition, um, we gave them till August 19th to finish all their games, to play five games against their five um, fellow group members. We split them into six-man groups. And we thought it would just be kind of fun to kind of just check in on this every week and just kind of give some shout outs to people doing well. And I just want to say some of y'all are sickos. This thing's been like in effect for like four days and some people have got like four games in in four days. So well done. Some people have four personal messages on <laughs> Discord. Uh, the idea is for us to be a very short segment just to kind of give some updates and interesting happenings throughout the league for y'all to follow along at home. For the first one, we're just going to read through the groups and maybe highlight some people that are doing well and or make some predictions for who we could see advancing to that final bracket. Group A, do you want to read them off our competitors? Sure. We've got Ugluck4242. He started off strong with one win so far. Keyforge Jupiter of fifth, uh, fifth Planet Keyforge. Is that what it is? Check out the podcast. Yeah, check out his podcast. It's a good one. He's started off with a win and a loss. Looks like his uh, loss was probably to Ugluck. His win was against Chris the Fred. And then we have Shabazz Jenkins and Inferno, as well as Dapper, to um, round out the crew. All right. Well, I think we're both going to probably predict Ugluck to go through based on the strong start. I mean, 1-0. It's early. But yeah, it's a good it's a good start. That's who I'm predicting. Who's your second one? So, I mean, I just don't know enough about these guys. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten to play a lot of these people. I played Keyforge Jupiter a couple of times. He started off one and one. I know he's got some spicy decks, but Adaptive kind of levels the playing field. Um, Inferno, I think, is local to Beehawk. And I think he's like, I think he's Beehawk's nemesis. So anybody that's a nemesis to Beehawk, I hope he goes through to smash down Beehawk later if they both make it through. <laughs> yeah, more on Beehawk getting through later. Yep. 
so I don't know. I don't know enough of these players yet. I haven't gotten the chance to jam as many games against them. So the only ones I've really played against, I think I've played Ugluck a couple of times and Keyforge Jupiter a couple of times. And I have played Inferno a couple of times and they're they're three fine players, but I, we've we've come to find in our uh, in our Discord we don't have many slouch gamers. <laughs> There's no easy game. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm just gonna pick Shabazz Jenkins <laughs> as my favorite. All right, because I like that name, and I think you know I'm a fan. Holy smokes, Group B, Group B is killing it. These guys are like almost done. <laughs> we have Weather three thousand three with three wins so far. Toronto's with two wins and a loss. Zotted. Is that how you say it? That's how he says it. Zotted. XO73D. I always thought it was just like weird numbers. Nope. Apparently his WoW name was Detox. He switched servers. Detox was already taken. So we put it backwards and added numbers so that nobody would ever take his name again. So now internet, don't take his name. Sorry. Sorry, Zotted. Um, he's two and one. Um, one star Squire. The Andrew, he is a, a great writer. He just released an article. I think today or yesterday that was a really good read. He's starting off strong one and oh. And then we've got Burnside, Mr. Pokin commentator himself, at a one and three record. Yeah, world famous pocket <laughs> yeah, commentator. Yeah, man. He's out there doing those esports commentating. And then verbally insane at four losses. Just uh just yeah. I'm so gl- I'm so glad that I mean I'm sad for verbally insane, but I'm glad we're doing this now because I would have definitely picked verbally insane to finish <laughs> higher. It'd be foolish to go against the three and O person. So I think weather three thousand three is going through. And then I'm gonna give my second pick to one star squire. Yeah, I'll take my boy Zodded. He's hooked me up with some decks, so I'll 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 root for him to pull it through there to get to that top two spot. Awesome. All right. Group C, we have Dr. Sheep 422. We have Gear Sighted, Alucard 741, Eileen, Oceanside Archon, and Row 2. So far, Dr. Sheep is 2 0. Gear Sighted is 1 0. Oceanside Archon is 0 1. And Row 2 is 0 2. This is kind of a, this one's kind of a stacked card. I know three of these, four of these players, five of these players. I know five of the six. I don't know you, Alucard. We'll have to fix that here soon. But uh, Gear Sighted, I'm pretty sure, has taken one of my decks that I sold to him at far too less of a price, apparently, because he's hung so many chains on that thing and <laughs> has thrown it up on the uh, TCO leaderboards. I think he's in like the top. I think he's in like top forty or fifty for that deck. Wow. So yeah, thanks, man, for you know showing me how wrong I was about that deck. All right, so who's your pick here? Um, I mean, I know you pick first. I think I think I know one of them that you're gonna pick, so I won't. You can you can take that one. I'm definitely picking Alien to go through. Yeah, she's a really good player. Local player to St. Louis. Uh, she hosted the first St. Louis Adaptive League, and she was my only loss in that. So, really good player. She played a few adaptive matches, you're saying? Yeah, so experience in the format and just like a really, really solid player. So, I got to go her. And then Dr. Sheep, I've actually met him in person at uh, Origins. Great guy, sitting at 2-0. and Can't pass up that value. <laughs> for my second pick i'll go with gear sighted i'll give i'll give some love to my my deck and see if it uh if it works well for him through the adaptive format not sure if that's the deck he is running for it but if he is go carry a trick before we go in, before we talk about group d we we agree this is the pool of death right <laughs> i mean it literally is group d and it's the group of death yeah this yeah. this one is crazy oh my goodness so we have strong link so the creator and um, programmer of the new Archons Arena. 
and also the creator of the TCO tracker at 1-0. We have Beehawk at 1-0. We have Alex, don't call me Nick of Slots, at 1-2, which is insane. Alex is a ridiculously good player. Like one of the best players in the world, probably. Yeah, he actually, I mean, according to the TCO tracker, I think he's in the top five, top ten, something like that. And his deck, Senbrow, is definitely in the top five. He's got like a ridiculous like 120 and 20 record with Senbrow. So definitely a really good player. And to have two losses shows you the quality of the <laughs> group of death. <laughs> um, then there's this guy, Jake Freed. I guess he plays Keyforge. I don't know. He's like in our Discord. But Allegedly. He never like plays games with any of our discordians <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true yeah no it's fine i guess you have school or something well it's i no, it's when i'm in school i have more time because i'm putting off homework right now i'm just like <laughs> playing disc golf and pick up soccer and stuff fair enough jake's outside like is that allowed as a nerd to be outside i don't know <laughs> um steven wh is also in this group He's been pretty active on the Discord recently. Super cool dude. And Roadrunner7431, which is a newer Keyforge player. And I'm sorry, Roadrunner, that you got thrown in this group of death. That is a wicked tough group to be in. And I think he just started playing like a month or two ago. So, yeah. I mean, I'm picking myself here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you have a chance. (laughs) I mean, I am current reigning champ of Adaptive in St. Louis. So I have some familiar with the format um and i'm just not gonna pick against myself no he never should and then uh i'll, I'll i mean my second pick i'm gonna go with Beehawk. he's definitely one uh, of the, that's mine come yeah, on yeah one of the better players i've ever played against and i just looking the way he talks on discord thinks about the game you could tell he's he's next level in a lot of ways and that's no i just don't know strong link but i'm i'm sure he'll kick my butt and then nick of slots i don't like he's crushed me the couple of times we've played <laughs> so so no disrespect to these guys at all no i know strong link Strong Link's pretty high, I think, on his own tracker too. I I feel like I feel like I've seen his name, or maybe it's just I see his name associated with it. Either way, I know he's a really strong player. Like super shocked Nicholas Lots, but I mean Nicholas Lot or Alex has lost to you know Beehawk and Strong Link, which are two insane players. So yeah, I like Beehawk getting through. I wish, man, I would have picked Alex in a heartbeat, but probably still could. It's possible he could. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. He's just got to beat this Jake guy, and then I guess his last game against Steven. But yeah, so Group D, Group of Death. Uh, group E, we have Freddy, D339, Vaslo, Boulevard, Paper Fight, our buddy Blake from Help from Future Self. We have the Honorable Villain, uh, JK Hops 21, and Jacket Attack. And so far, no games played. I see there's they're, they're active. They're active in their, dis- their discussion. They just haven't found anything that lines up yet. But I have played against Blake and Honorable Villain. And I played against Blake a number of times, and Blake is a very good player, very good podcaster and YouTuber. So my pick is Blake out of this group. He's the one I know the most, and I think he's a he's a really good player. I think he'll do well. I'm gonna go honorable villain just on name. <laughs> nice. All right. And group F, the flunkies. So we've got Noam987, Yankel Burples, Gaming Vice, this dude Dan is someone. Scrowner and Southerly Elf. 
Um, so, I mean, I guess I have to pick myself. So far in the group, we've got Gnome at 1-0, and I think he just did really well in the Dex of Keyforge. Yeah, I think he got first or second. So Yeah, and they're Adaptive League, and that is a stacked cutthroat league. Congrats to Noam, and I hope he takes it easy on me a little bit. Um, <laughs> Yankle Burples is 1-1, uh, and Southerly Elf is currently 0-1. Yeah, give me, I'm going to take Dan and Gnome. Hey, I can I can actually play online. I can't play in person, but online, oh my goodness, look out. And last group, group G, we have Medi- Mediator J, LSY03, and he was, I think, the runner-up in the uh, Seth. Either runner-up or first, yeah. Yeah, and then just a guy playing, and he used to win all the Tuesday night Archon events that used to fire, the Japs, Chironic, and Jacob Chapman. And so far, we have... Mediator J at 1-0 and, and Jacob Chapman at 0-1. So yeah, it's another kind of stack group. A lot of people, I don't know the Japs or Chironic. The Japes, or... I think. I think it's Japes, okay. not Japs. No. <laughs> um, but I do know LSY03 has done really well in adaptive leagues that are out there. And I know yeah. the guy playing used to take down those, uh, I can't remember what podcast he used to do, Tuesday night Archon events, like 64 player. And he usually pre- finished pretty high in all of those. Yeah, it's hard for me to pass up those two that'd be my prediction cool so that's our u.s league and our eu league we have 12 players um into two brackets so group a we have kalua kalua yeah at one and oh Faya at one and oh aurora lady aurora at one and one fiberty jib at zero <laughs> games played viljums at one loss and el senor maracas at one loss um, out of this group, I'd probably take Lady Aurora. She's quite active on our Discord and puts a lot of a lot of thought into the game. Good write-ups, yeah, very good articles. Check those out. I think it's Dead Poetic for the articles might be the handle for those. But a uh, great player, um, Faye. I've been playing with a lot. Like <laughs> that guy. I don't know if he ever sleeps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what time zone he's on, but at one point I was like, I think I'm going to go to bed. It's like 11 o'clock. He's like, yeah, it's like four here. And I was like, oh my goodness. But yeah. Hey, a lot of time to play. Yep. Those are my two picks because I know them, played against them. You got to take Lady Aurora because I had such great conversations with her. I really like the way she thinks about the game and I know she's a good player. And then what was it like something? What was the one that made me laugh? <laughs> Fiberty Jib. Yeah, Fiberty Jib, that's my second pick. <laughs> and Group B, we have Randman. It's kind of like random, Rand, Randman, I don't know. R-A-N-D-M-N, Barotoro, Firisa, one, J. Filipeg, Shapesation, and Russell Ruffino. And so far, it's Randman with one win and Russell Ruffino with one loss. Well, I'm picking Firisa. Yeah, he's <laughs> pretty good out of Australia. Who's your second? You know, this might be... Not smart because of the way the rankings are now, but I, I think Russell Rufino to come back from yeah, the, the one. He's a really loss. good player. I'll go against you. I'll take Jay Philippeg. I've played a few games against him. He's a solid player as well. Always really close games. Cool. So yeah, awesome. we might keep doing these updates. I mean, next time we probably won't announce as much like on the names. We'll always put this at the end of the podcast. So if you don't want to listen to this, you can just go ahead and stop before it starts, and that's fine. You won't you won't hurt our feelings. But uh, yeah, so also let us know what you think about that, if, if it's interesting to you or not. But anyway, so this has been another episode of Sanctimonious, the Keyforge podcast. 
I'm Jake Friedman. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Fried, J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D. I'm on Twitch at Jake Fried as well. Over to you, Dan. Hey, this is Danis Someone, D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E and the number one on Twitter and Twitch. I've actually been semi-active on Twitch again, playing some tabletop simulator games, and then even posting those games and doing minor video edits. I'm not a professional editor, nor do I enjoy it, but if there is a lot of like downtime in games or just time at the beginning of the streams, I've been clipping that off and putting those up on YouTube, so definitely go check those out if you want to watch any of the games that I've played on any of those, uh, yeah, any of those platforms. Archons of the Crucible. The ladder is set up against the castle. Storm that ladder, carrying your brothers and your sisters with you up to Keyforge glory and influence in those communities. And as always, forge those keys. <laughs>